Hi, and welcome to the CDNFI podcast, where we discuss all things related to front-end optimization, web performance, and emerging technologies. Hi, I'm Jamie. Today, I'm excited to announce I'm joined uh, with Gregory Korberger. Gregory is a freelance programmer and designer, having worked at places like Mozilla and Gigom. He's also the founder of readme.io, a collaborative developer hub for your API, or code. Today we're going to be chatting about Gregory's startup ventures, the importance of good design, and growth. So to get things started, uh, do you mind telling everyone a little bit about yourself and the work that you do? Sure. Um, so that was a pretty good introduction. Um, currently, my full-time gig is doing uh, readme.io. Um, it's something I've been wanting to work on for a few years, and uh, I finally found enough time to uh, to kickstart it and uh, get it done. And uh, we launched three weeks ago, a little over three weeks ago. Um, so I've been doing less design, less programming, and more customer support for the past uh, few weeks. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, I do both design and programming. Um, I went to school for programming, but I've done mostly design over the past few years. So uh, that's kind of why I really like doing tools for developers, just because it's we're getting to the point where people are trying to realize that developers, you know, they're okay with ugly stuff, but they actually really do want nice stuff. Um, I mean, most developers use a MacBook and they like pretty things, like they like nice websites and. Uh, even though you know we still like the command line and stuff like that, it still doesn't mean we don't we want ugly websites. Um, so there's been a bunch of websites that have kind of started to really do a good job of uh, well-designed developer tools. Um, not CDNify is one of the many. Um, yeah. Not to, I know you're not asking for a plug, but there we go. <laughs> That's great. Thanks. Thanks for that. Uh, you could just send me the check whenever. Um, yeah. But no. Uh, <laughs> But uh, no, I think there's a a, a lot of uh, a lot of potential for developer tools that one save developers time and mm-hmm. two are just nice to use. Um, so that's kind of my passion. Uh, it's manifested in README, which is uh, all about documentation. Um, but yeah, as we're gonna talk about, I guess uh, it's that's just one of my many passions. Uh, I like travel, which we'll get to. Um, and yeah, I guess those are my the two big ones we can talk about. Awesome. Um, uh, I actually found out um, a few years back. You used to work at Mozilla, so I was curious to know what it was like to actually work for such a huge, recognizable company, and um, how it helped you, how it helped you grow straight from uh, university. Because I think you 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 um, you got on board just after university. Yes, um, I did actually consider dropping out of uh, university. Um, Back like my third year, I was at a startup in Silicon Valley for an internship, and like it was gonna be the next Facebook. I was sure, and it wasn't. It was the worst. Like it was a great startup, and I loved it, but like I way overestimated the uh, <laughs> its ability to succeed. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of my professors actually like forced me to go back, and I'm so glad I did because the startup failed and all that. But anyway, um, so I graduated. Uh, and uh, to kind of fast forward a little bit, uh, I was talking at a conference, and it was for uh, teens in tech. Um, and I was literally the only, per- and I, I was the worst talk there because every single person was like, you know, drop out of college, follow your dreams, drop out of high school, <laughs> uh, just start a startup, you know, Mark Zuckerberg. And like, I, I, my talk was not even like anything about this, but like halfway through the conference, I like quickly rewrote my talk completely to just basically be like, go to college. I uh, get a job, um, yeah, and is, I was is, like the. <laughs> is, is that is that what, what you were there for to actually promote students to actually go to college? No, it wasn't. But it, it like I I felt like I had to talk about that because yeah. um, college. I think 
not saying you should finish college, but you should at least go to it. Um, yeah. But your question was about uh, jobs. And like at this conference, I was the, I was only like 23, but I was like the, you know, old guy who's ruining their dreams. So they all hated me. Their parents all came up to me after and were like, thank you. Um, well, well, if you, if you, because like, um, if you explained that college isn't just about um, going through those those few years just for the degree, it's about um, it's about the experience, isn't it? And um, oh, of course, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was my big thing too. Um, and I think same with uh, a job, which it's not. They're all about experiences. They're all about connections. They're all about a lot more than just you know what you signed up for. Yeah, totally. Um, so to get back to your like question about the job, um, I'm so glad I worked at uh, a larger company. And Mozilla is not a huge company. It's it was like 300 when I started. It's 600 now, I think. Um, but uh, it's it's great because uh, you know you I went from being a pretty bad programmer to being you know much 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 better because you learn so much when you have to work with other people. Um, I was capable of programming anything, uh, not anything of course, but like I was capable of um, you know making a login form. I was capable of like you know doing everything you would have to do. But there's so much you learn just by working at a large company that they don't teach you in school um, and, you know, working with people as well. Um, so I'm so glad I worked at a company. I think everyone should be for starting their own company because you save so much time that you would otherwise spend, you know, reinventing the wheel. Um, you spend so much time learning, you know, at a startup, you can't do everything right, but at least you know how things should be done. Yeah. Um, so again, I hate to be, you know, a, you know, boring, uh, lame, okay, go get a job. But uh, I really do think getting a job before starting a company is one of the best things I did. And I actually had no intention of doing that. I kind of uh, just interviewed at Mozilla. Yeah, because yeah, it seemed cool. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll go to San Francisco for a week and, or for a weekend and like interview. Um, and I end up loving the people there. And just being around awesome people. And Mozilla is, I've worked with a lot of companies doing freelancing and Mozilla is by far the, like, you know, per capita smartest people I've ever worked with um, because they're nonprofit. They, um, they aren't like a startup. They're not trying, they're not a company either. I mean, they are a company, but they're nonprofit. And like everyone is just there because they want to help the open web. Um, and I didn't use Firefox either. So like not using Firefox isn't a huge deal, but if you just want to work with a bunch of smart people, Mozilla is definitely the place to do it. Can you, can you get away with uh, using a different browser there, like Chrome or Safari? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I went in using Chrome. I begrudgingly switched to Firefox. Um, I enjoyed Firefox while I was there. and it, it, Firefox is actually a good browser. Um, but then as soon as I left, six months later, I was back on Chrome. Um, I You can get away with it, but you know when your job is to work on Firefox, it you, you gotta, should really be using it so you know... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You should be using the product that you know you're building. Yeah, you, you mentioned before as well that um, you know you, you did go back to university. Um, mm -hmm. you, you should you should get a job. I mean, there's plenty of courses out there where um, you can do like a is it a gap year or like a, a year out where you would spend just focusing on a um, on, on a job so you can get a job like a, a startup for a year, but it's like a work placement. And um, mm. and yeah, I think I think a lot of people do that. Um, no, like a sandwich year they, they call it. Um, so yeah, yep. um, so yeah, that's great. Um, so moving on to uh, readme.io. Yes. Um, it was actually it was built from the Phileas and Fog, Fog project. Um, yes, it was. Which, which you yeah, which you travel around the globe and build products with with people like-minded people in in about I think it's about the space of three months or, or less. 
Yep. Uh, yeah. 80 days, exactly, 80 because days. Uh, around, we completely ripped off Jules Verne there. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so can you, can you talk a bit about the idea behind this and, and, um, and the people that you kind of work with? Sure. Uh, so I'll tell you the good stuff first, and then I'll tell you uh, the bad stuff. Um, <laughs> so the good stuff was this. The good stuff and my theory was that, um, you know, there's a bunch of uh, – so I'm in Silicon Valley. Um, there are a bunch of people just like the developers, um, but there's a bunch of companies. So there's Facebook, Twitter, Google with so much money. So right there, they can afford to buy a lot of the best developers. Um you know, the big companies. Then you have all the cool startups. Then you have all the not cool startups with money. The point is that you're competing with a lot of people for talent. Um, So like I've worked at companies, startups, big companies, and it's just finding talent is so hard. Um, And once you find them, it's incredibly expensive, um, which is fine for Google, Facebook, et cetera. But it's impossible for a startup that is, you know, three people, two people, has very little money in the bank um, to kind of compete with these gigantic startups. So my theory was this, uh, I wanted to figure out a way to hire awesome people, but it's not cause I'm cheap. Um, well it is, I'm cheap <laughs> due to the fact that, you know, I don't have, you know, 250 K. I mean, Oh yeah, that's, that's understandable. Yeah. 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 Uh, 250 K to pay someone. Um, so, uh, the theory was like, can we figure out a way where we can offer people something that is, uh, kind of more valuable than money? Um, and make it so that we can pay people less, but then get good work and then no one feels cheated. And that was the important part because you can, of course, convince someone to work for equity or you can convince someone to work for, you know, other reasons, uh, but they're not necessarily going to be happy. So the big part was they had to be, you know, they had to not feel cheated because I didn't want to cheat anyone. Um, so one concept uh, that we kind of came up with, and this was something that I was doing. I didn't know we were going to work on README. Um, I was working with a few angel investors uh, because they had the same problem. They couldn't hire anyone for their startups. Um, and we're kind of like trying to figure out like how could we convince people to work for us? Um, I didn't have a company this time. This time I was just kind of like, they asked me like, they tried to hire me and they're like, okay, like how could we hire someone like you? And I'm like, you, you couldn't. Um, and that, sounds bad like it's not that they couldn't hire me but it was just like it would take a lot of money and it would take a lot of you know they'd be competing against lots of startups um so i thought about it we came back we came up with this idea of traveling because we figured uh the biggest fear that i have is in my 20s uh spending my entire 20s kind of just working at a bunch of failed startups um and then looking back and being like wow i had a kind of boring life where i spent my entire 20s programming on things that no one cares about um and of course i like stuff day to day but like in aggregate after a decade and looking back like i feel like that'd be kind of depressing um so like what about like travel um and doing kind of like three month ish sprints where uh you know people get to travel and the point being that if things go well then that's awesome you spend three months kind of living in a different country living in like you know experiencing a different culture and, uh, you know, still working a lot. Um, but when you cut down on things like, you know, this sounds bad, but it's only three months. Uh, when you cut down on things like, you know, friends or parties or like just networking events or coffee with people yeah. and you're not alone, you're still with people. Um, and it's only for three months. Like it's, you get a lot of time, you get a lot of extra time to build stuff, um, while still being able to like, you know, travel and, you know, experience new culture. Uh, and I know that a lot of my f- friends, myself included, what we would do is, you know, at a job, we would 
save up money and save up sick days and vacation days and then you know travel for two or three weeks um and i kind of wondered if since internet is ubiquitous if we could kind of use that as a way to attract um people um so we did we made the website uh and the one that you've seen and uh just posted it on like hacker news and a few other places and uh the response was insane like we got uh like 300 applications in the first like two weeks um, for a job that didn't, not that it didn't exist, but like it was a comp for a company that didn't exist. Um, and uh, because we, the point was that we wanted everyone to work on, we wanted everyone to figure out together what they wanted to work on. Um, because, you know, a lot of the investors had ideas for startups, you know, I had ideas for startups. And um, the point was, you, we wanted to build something that everyone was actually excited about. So we kind of figured, you know, if we have a good enough team, whatever we end up building will be great. Uh, as long as it's something that everyone's kind of excited about. Yeah. Yeah. Unless the, you know, if their interests lie in it, then they're, they're more likely to. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and like, it's one of those things where like, it's a multiplier, like, you know, you could come to me with a brilliant idea, but if I'm not excited about it, it's not gonna come out that great. Whereas, you know, if I have a mediocre idea and I'm really excited about it, you know, my theory was that it would come out a lot better. Um, so we did that. We went to Costa Rica for 80 days. Uh, we went with uh, me and three other people. So four people total. Uh, we rented a house down in Costa Rica. Um, and uh, it was great. Uh, we like n not once did we, I wouldn't want to do it longer than this, um, but not once we, you know, missed the United States. Not once because we had the internet. We still talked to people. We still yeah. did stuff all the time. Um, we had, you know, people down, you know, each other. Um, so it wasn't like, we were lonely. Uh, we had, you know, we met people down there and stuff. Uh, there's a lot of like people from Costa Rica, um, and actually a shocking number of people who were in the U.S. that were from Costa Rica um, that had reached out to us. Um, so when we were down there, we had a bunch of people to meet and talk to and everything. And it was great. Um, we got to build the minimum the MVP for README um, with you know no distractions. We it's it was if you ever going to start a company, uh, that is another thing that I would recommend if you can do it just spend a month or two months or whatever with, you know, you and your team in a different country. Um, or it doesn't have to be a different country. It could be, you know, you know, Idaho or someplace random in the U.S. or for you, I don't know what would be the equivalent. It doesn't have to be someplace, you know, uh, foreign. It just has to be someplace that is where there's no distractions. Um, yeah, it's very you, you don't want to do it forever, of course, but uh, like, you know, for the first like two or three, crucial two or three months, it's great, um, but yeah. So that was that was Sorry, that. I was I was going to ask um, why 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 three months? I mean, like, um, is that enough time to to finish? Um, it turns out it was it was not enough time uh, to finish it, <laughs> but it was enough time to get pretty far. Um, the reason three months is actually very specific. Uh, for United States citizens, uh, they can stay up to three months in most foreign countries, um, which is why you pick three months. Um, so I'm not sure it's, especially with most kind of like, uh, more third world countries. So like, you know, we, we were going to do, uh, we thought about Asia, we thought about, um, South American countries for pretty much all of them. Um, if the U S has a good, but not amazing relationship with them, you can get a visa with absolutely no work, uh, for three months. So that is why we picked three months. Ah, right. I was good. That's that was my next question. How do you decide on the countries? Uh, yep. I imagine it's the visas. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, visas are a big thing. Uh, you know, as an American citizen, we're lucky that that is not a huge issue. Um, it's pretty easy to get into most countries. Uh, the reason we picked Costa Rica was because a few reasons. One, we all kind of had a little bit of knowledge of Spanish. Um, I mean, just, you know, living in the U.S., you get enough Spanish, not enough to be fluent or anything, but, you know, from like high school and stuff. So it's not like going to, you know, Thailand where you don't speak the native language whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so that was a big thing. Spanish was kind of a little like a we kind of all knew a little bit of Spanish. Um, Costa Rica was very Americanized, which is, you know, not great, but it's great if your goal is to work because that means everyone speaks English. That means that there's Wi-Fi everywhere. Um, it's slightly more fluent than other uh, South and Central American countries. Um, and by fluent, I literally just mean more expensive. But uh, it's, you know, it's, it is a little safer uh, in theory. It is a little, not nicer, but just a little more uh, accustomed to having um, American tourists. So it seemed like a really good place to start because we were doing so many new things that being able to reduce the number of, you know, language barriers and cultural barriers seemed like a pretty good idea. Yeah. How, like, when you're actually building... Yeah, your products and, you, and you, you've got like two or three, well, close like two months into it and you've got something quite solid. How did you actually take on board feedback or how did you get feedback? It Was it was it from the team that was already there? Yeah, so that's where it got bad. Uh, we were building a developer tool and we were doing it in a place where, you know, there were developers, but it was not, it wasn't like Silicon Valley. Um, Silicon Valley, for all its faults, if you're building a developer tool, it is the place to be because you literally can walk to any coffee shop and there will be 10 developers there. Um, and it's it's almost cliche, but like it's so hard. There's very, very rarely can you build a product where, you know, 75% of your user base is within, you know, seven miles of you. So it made as awesome as traveling was uh, since we did decide to go down the... Um, developer tools route, we uh, didn't really want to do it while traveling because of exactly that reason. Um, and that's the bad thing, which is traveling makes it a little bit harder to talk to uh, customers. Now, if we were doing a travel-based startup, then it would have been perfect. We could have you know, actually gone around, like if we were building Airbnb, for example, we could have gone around and actually talked to people and actually that would have been great. Um, but our audience did happen to mostly be, for better or for worse, in Silicon Valley. Um, so that was kind of, that was the reason we went back. Uh, or that's the reason we didn't do it again, because we need to start talking to customers. So Yeah, I mean, like, it sounds like, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful idea, um, because like you, like you mentioned, you get to go to a different country, and mm -hmm. you're isolated to, to work on, on, your, uh, on your product that you want to build. Um, but when it comes to the actual teams, um, who, who, actually, who actually joins them, and like, how, do you, how do you decide, or... Yeah, um, so that's a good question, and I don't really have a good answer for that. Um, I can tell you kind of what we did, um, but at the end of the day, like, I don't really think there is a great rule of thumb I found other than just it has to be people that you like working with. Um, so uh, uh, there was three people I previously knew I previous, uh, before any of this started, I knew one of them. Um, while this was happening, I met one of them um, through one of the investors. And then one came from the applications. So it was kind of a mixed bag. But going into it, you know, we I made sure that we all kind of worked together in the U.S. for a few weeks um, just because I wanted to make sure that, you know, we all 
clicked and it worked well together and uh, we did and um, yeah it was uh, I don't know I don't really have any great advice as far as that goes other than the fact that like when you're traveling it's very important to make sure you like everyone you're working with because uh, you know it's one thing to be able to go home at five o'clock and you know hate one of your coworkers, but it's another thing to have to like have them be the only person that speaks the same language as you um, yeah. in yeah, the area yeah, yeah I, can, I, can, I can imagine but like yeah. in, in, that, in that frame of um, space you did get something solid for readme.io so it, it, can, it proves that it, it does it does work and it's, it's a good it's a good idea um, which is fantastic and moving on to readme.io sure um, for those that don't know readme.io is an easy to use develop hub that supports documentation tutorials and support so can you talk a, a little bit about um, why you built readme.io yeah, so uh, like six, seven years ago, I was working at the aforementioned startup that I, uh, while I was in college, um, and I was just an intern, and you know, it came time to build an API, and actually we were building a, a little widget that you could put on your website, a little JavaScript widget, and um, you know, we built the widget, and it took you know a day or two days or whatever, and it came time to document it, and we're like, this should be really obvious, like so many websites have this. Um, and like, there's nothing out there. So that was kind of like the first time I was like, oh, this would be cool to do, but I didn't want to do it myself. Um, and then, you know, I worked at a bunch of other jobs, worked a bunch of other places, and it kept cropping up where we would either have an API or we would have a uh, some sort of code library or a widget or something, affiliate program. And it seemed so obvious because if you look at pretty much every site, uh, by our count, something like 63% of startups have some sort of like, docs.whatever.com or developer.whatever.com. And if you look at them, they all pretty much have the same, they might look a little bit different, but they all basically have the same feature sets, give or take, you know, some are much better, some are much worse. Um, but they all kind of have like, you could make a list of like 50 features and pretty much hit all of them. Um, and it just kept being one of those things where I just kept coming back to them like, this is insane that there's not something really nice because everyone hates building documentation. Everyone hates, well, everyone's writing documentation. And having to build out a website on top of that is even worse. Um, and everyone hates consuming documentation just because, you know, the developer finishes the product. And unless it's a big company where they can afford to actually put time into documentation, you know, someone just randomly writes, you know, whatever's on the top of their mind, throws it on, you know, a wiki or WordPress or just a regular copy HTML site and uh, goes with it. Um, and it's not that I like documentation, it's that I hate it. And that's kind of why I started doing readme because I want to make it really easy for people, startups, uh, startups or single developers to kind of create really nice developer experiences, um, for their API, for their code library, for whatever that happens to be. Um, currently that's manifested as just documentation, uh, with like support features. Uh, there's some cool stuff about the documentation where, Anyone can suggest an edit, uh, so like documentation can, can be crowdsourced, um, and there's a lot of cool community features. So that's that's great now. Um, and then looking toward the future, uh, I want to start doing stuff where we're kind of actually replacing ourselves, where there doesn't need to be a wall of text. Um, I've looked at you know we've got a few thousand users on README, and I've looked at you know all their docs, and it's all the same. It's all just slightly different, as in like uh, you know they all have like a up section about authentication and it's it's insane how it's all slightly different but it's all basically the same but like everyone does it differently um or error codes stuff like that 
And every developer kind of has to end up like reading all these subtle nuanced differences and like implementing it and like slightly debugging it and stuff like that. And that just seems kind of a waste. So I think in the future, um, or I know in the future, our goal is to kind of start replacing ourselves in the sense that it doesn't have to be a wall of text. There's a lot of really cool things that we have planned out that um, can kind of just make it utterly seamless to document and then consume um, an API. So that's kind of our goal. Yeah, I mean, like um, I've 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 looked at it, and it does look it, it looks easy to look at, I and mean, that's that's the first thing you notice the the simple uh, design, and you actually have you actually have an eye for design, and uh, I wondered I wondered what you would define do you yeah, you would define as um, good design and how you've applied it to some of your projects like readme.io. Sure. Um, so that's where it gets kind of hard. Where uh, I am always kind of going back and forth in the sense that uh, good design obviously does not necessarily just mean pretty, although being pretty is a big part of good design. Um, and like a great example is, you know, if anyone, I could, you know, you could, there's not a person on this planet who cannot redesign Craigslist or redesign, you know, Wikipedia and do a far superior job aesthetically and make it look a thousand times nicer. Um, and a lot of people try to build startups based on this, like, you know, we're prettier Craigslist, but, uh, as it turns out, you know, Craigslist and Wikipedia for all their faults are very usable because they just work. Um, so obviously you don't want to build something as ugly as Craigslist or something like that. Um, but you have to, it's very important to put kind of the UX first and then the, you know, coat of paint second. And I constantly have that struggle because there's so many times where, I find myself arguing with myself where it's like, okay, I know this button should be big and clunky because it has to be, but it'd be so much prettier if it was just a little link. And like, it's, it does kind of hurt me that, you know, if you log into the readme dashboard, it's not as, you know, visually stunning as I would like. However, I, you know, whereas, you know, if you look at like the Phillies and Fog website, or uh, I did something, I think that's how you found me was uh, startup notes. You know, those are Usability didn't matter. Those were just, I went all out on, you know, making them pretty um, because I could. Uh, it kind of does pay me sometimes that, you know, README can't be more just like pretty. Uh, you just have to find that like awesome balance between uh, really usable, but also have a nice coat of paint. And I definitely have not found that balance quite yet. Um, but it's a, it's a, that's my goal. Well, I mean, it's, it's very difficult, isn't it? When you, like, uh, when you're going back and forth, um, between something that, you, that you've done, because you'll always be constantly tweaking stuff, like, and uh, that can be that can be quite time-consuming when it comes. Oh to yeah, and then you have to like redesign stuff to kind of yeah. like incorporate. Yeah. yeah um, like, oh, this button needs needs uh, needs changing. It's like, ugh, it's fake. Yep. Yeah. Um, so moving on to my next question, um, uh, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of of, uh, of new tools and services that, that save save a lot of time, like readme.io. <laughs> just recently thank you <laughs> Good. we're even now for our plugs yeah yeah <laughs> just just recently i've actually started using um something called uh streak which uh manages um my emails so yep. I, I wanted to know what um um what's a cool new tool that you found invaluable when working on some of your projects Ooh, interesting um i have an answer for that and i am so in love with this product um uh, <laughs> It is uh, intercom, intercom.io. Um, and so basically, 
we ran this problem where we started, we launched, and we got a ton of uh, signups, way more than we thought we would. And uh, we had no clue who our users were. Like, our, we, I made a really bad admin panel that kind of just like listed out all our users. Um, and it just broke because we went from like 15 users, which was fine, to like, you know, thousands. And it would take like literally eight minutes because I was doing like really inefficient queries and stuff because I didn't care because it was an admin, admin panel. And like, it just wasn't working. Um, so we tried a bunch of stuff. We tried like Zendesk, we tried a bunch of other things. Um, and I even looked at Intercom and I honestly could not figure out what they did from their website. They like recently redesigned and their website was just very like feeling based or like, uh, you know, it was, they didn't do, a, I don't personally think they did a great job of explaining what they did. Um, and like, they're like, observe your users, learn, engage, support. And like they have different tiers. I just couldn't figure it out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, on, I'm actually looking at the site there. It is quite a bit. And looking back, like now that I know what they do and looking back at like, you know, you see it says like the old way and the intercom way, like mm -hmm. I totally understand that graph now. I'm like, yes, that's exactly true. But I couldn't figure it out when I was looking at it. So maybe that's my fault. Um, but anyway, so I, I kind of passed them over. But for some reasons, another one of my friends was like, you should be using intercom. I'm like, eh. and I looked at it. It was amazing. So the way it works basically is it's a little JavaScript snippet that you put in your website. And it takes care of a bunch of stuff. It takes care of, first uh, the thing it does is it kind of like sucks every user in. Um, so, you know, Jim, if you were to go and sign up for a README right now, I would get a little like, it would instantly, as soon as you signed up, you would show up in intercom as being on a free trial. Um, I could set up triggers to either email you or send you a message right in the app that says like, you know, let's say I found that, you know, Jamie, you've been using it for two weeks and you use it pretty often, mm -hmm. but you still haven't paid me. Um, I could send you a little like automated message to be like, Hey, this is Greg. Um, I was wondering, you know, like, is, can we help you or anything like that? Um, so that's cool. Uh, and if you ever were to email support at readme.io, it would kind of be sucked in there and it would, uh, associate you with your projects, um, and everything. So I could be like, oh, okay, Jamie's been paying me, you know, 50 bucks a month for the past year. Uh, he's a valuable customer. Um, not that I would necessarily prioritize you first, but you know, it's very, you can instantly get really good information about all your users. Um, and it just, it's really unlocked so much information about our users that we just didn't know before. Um, you know, we can see how recently you logged in. We can see, uh, what you've been doing. We can, you know, message you, you can message us. Um, it's just, it's one of those things where it's just, I'm not doing a great job of pitching it, but it just completely changed the way that I think about, you know, our users. Um, so that's kind of been my, like, my startup crush, as I've been calling it. Um, and I talk way too much about it to everyone that'll listen, and no one really cares because it's just another tool. But um, it's just been absolutely great. Yeah, it's, uh, it's strange, isn't it? Like, uh, you, you come across, like, all these very, like, good products, but uh, you, don't, you don't see them. They're not, they're not promoted that well. Um, yep. and it, ha it happens all the time, really, because you get these like it's just it's just bizarre because um, uh, like you were saying just then, like uh, it comes back to design really. Because when you landed on um, the site, you were, you were confused. You're like, oh, I don't understand like how all this works. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and that's that's kind of like that's, that's one. And thing I had the same. And I know I had the same problem with README, where there's a lot of people who land on README and are like, I still don't get it, mm -hmm. and it's not their fault. It's mine and. I've already made a lot of uh, concessions where I've given up, you know, my perfect, not perfect, of course, but like, you know, my perfect design and, you know, added more information and stuff. 
Um, and I'm going to have to keep doing that slowly and begrudgingly. Um, but it is very hard to kind of give a good first impression uh, and convey value. Um, so actually, here's an example. So for Readme, we went back and forth a ton on what is Readme? Is it a place for, you know, where you can build developer hubs or a place where you can build documentation? The point being that documentation is very obvious what it is. Um, but it's not as big of a deal as, you know, a developer hub, which incorporates things like, you know, generating API keys for people, um, you know, handling support, things like that. And we had to go back and forth. We went back and forth a billion times uh, on like, do we go, you know, very obvious, but not that life changing? Or do we try to go a little bigger and broader, but it's confusing as to what that exactly means? Um, we cheated and we settled on just doing a rotating carousel that said both of them. But um, yeah, it's, it's actually very hard to kind of fit, to do a main page where you want to convey value, but you also want to be a little markety and kind of, um, you know, you don't want to just be a product that does exactly what, you know, you don't want to be very bland. You want to kind of be a little markety and like get people excited about your product too. Yeah, yeah, so. you, want, you, yeah you want to get your message across, but like still be like still wow them and, and you know, um, yeah, I completely understand. Um, so, uh, to finally wrap things up, um, have you any upcoming projects you're excited to be working on? Um, either that's at readme.io or something else? Yeah, uh, so normally I don't have such a one-track mind as I do currently, um, so usually my answer would be cooler. Um, it's readme only because it is something that I literally, we just launched a week ago and like this is this is not a side project. Like this is my, you know, thing now. And it's nice to kind of have a main thing after not having one for so long. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's, it's definitely that it's definitely, you know, it kind of the trajectory changed because I went from just kind of, we, we went from building it kind of on our own to all of a sudden, you know, we have users, we have, you know, money, we have, you know, it's people care about us. People are talking like, it's great. So like, it's kind of completely changed the dynamic. Um, so I can start actually like doing the cool stuff I want to do. Um, that being said, I'm kind of excited to also keep doing little side projects that, uh, I'm like, Oh, it's just marketing for readme, which is totally not true. I just want to do something fun. Um, but that's how I justified spending a weekend doing like, you know, startup notes, uh, which was like my doodle notes from, uh, Y Combinator startup school. And uh, I like put a little README logo in it, not because I actually wanted to be marketing, but I'm like, okay, I can justify not working on, you know, README if I consider this marketing. Yeah. Um, so I guess just README. Um, there's right now I have a, we have what I think is a pretty good base product, um, but now I want to start doing kind of the version two, um, the next yeah. step, and like actually start. Right now we've made it really easy to do documentation. Version two would be kind of a little more around making it so that there's less documentation necessary. Mm, so you just like, you're just refining um, readme.io. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the um, same thing that we're doing with um, CDNFI at the moment. We've got like a, a large user base now that we can actually spend some time and just go, right, this is what we need. And we'll just, we'll just like shave off this and we'll add this and stuff like yep. that. It's, it's quite exciting doing that actually, when you get to that point where like you've got a viable product and everyone's interested in, in, uh, in, in developing it. That um, you know, you're excited to come into the office and you know work on this project and uh, oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's great. It's uh, it changes a lot when you know you go from being just kind of you know a few people in their apartments working on something to actually having like users who like tweet about you and like you and yeah. sometimes hate you. Uh, but <laughs> it just it completely just changes the dynamic and like yeah. it's really reinvigorating. So. 
Yeah, I'm. I'm sure. Like I've, I've, I've heard nothing but good things for for Read Me Die. So um. Well, thank you. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um. Thanks for taking your time out to uh to chat with me, Gregory. And it's been awesome. uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. No, you too. Um, it was good talking to you. And uh, yeah, I look forward to keeping in touch. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out more great podcasts over on cdnfi.com forward slash blog.